You're listening to audio from Grace Community Church in Andrew, North Carolina. More information about Grace Community Church can be found at graceccnc.org. So, thank you for being here for this parenting class. I hope we're going to have a whole lot more after tonight. We have a concert that's going on tonight. Of course, youth group, we recognize that the youth workers won't be able to be here, but hopefully their spouses uh, will be able to. And I want to encourage you, if tonight is helpful or if you think it's going to be a blessing, to please spread the word because we need as many people here as possible, all ages too. We want all ages. I think everybody here has got children at home. Is that correct? And some of you guys coming in from uh, that, that are, don't typically attend, thank you. We're glad to have you here. Uh, or you may be attending, and I just don't know. It's <laughs> kind of crazy at times. So um, I want to begin, well, I should begin by opening in prayer. So let's, let's do that. Father, uh, we thank you for the calling that it is to be a parent of children. Lord, we acknowledge that it is a difficult calling and it is increasingly difficult in our culture. We pray that you would make us godly parents, not because of how great we are, but because of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And as we pursue uh, our desires to be the best parents we can be, pray that we would be able to encourage one another, help one another, um, and be there for one another. So, bless this opening time tonight, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Does everyone have textbook parenting? If you don't have a textbook and it's just not a good time to be spending, I don't know what it is, $18, $16, $18. Let us know. <clears throat> we will make sure to get you one. But uh, Paul David Tripp, Parenting, uh, gospel, 14 Gospel Principles That Can Radically Change Your Family. Most of the weeks, we're going to likely have tables where we divide up into groups. You'll be sitting at the tables, and then we'll take a little time for a small group discussion that type of thing. Um, but tonight, it's really it's an overview. Plus, we're covering the introduction plus two chapters. So there's a lot of material just to think about. Uh, and I will take some questions for you, from you. And in fact, uh, or I'll ask you some questions and take some answers from you. Here's the first one. Why are you here? To know what the Bible says about parenting. It is that, isn't it? And in fact, you're probably thinking, I wish I had read this book many years ago. So does the author. <laughs> he says the same thing. He wrote a book earlier about parenting and talks about how um, it could be that, or it, that he says people misunderstood or misapplied some of the truth that he had in there. But it could be that he didn't know it as well or certainly didn't articulate it as well. We grow as parents, don't we? I mean... Pity the first child, right? How many of you first children? <laughs> I was as well. And man, we get it bad. And it, it grows up. To this day, my oldest daughter will bring up often how she was not allowed to be 
a smooth dancer up in Avery County in the mountains of North Carolina. But her sister and brother were, you know, they do that little clogging business. And so that's one of the things that we talk about in our family. Um, why else? You read the book and you know how good it is, so you want to talk about it. That's a great reason to be here. We need encouragement and we need to also recognize that it's not that we're not failures. We are failures, but everybody else is too, and that's encouraging. You know, misery loves company. So that's one of the benefits of this class. Anything else? You know, we do the best we can with the knowledge that we have, the spiritual maturity that God has given us at this point in life. And it's encouraging to realize that in spite of our mistakes, the Lord does good things with our, our kids. How many of you, like I was, were saved much later in life? I was 18, I say that. All right, well, you know the things that God has done in your life. And... He will redeem uh, many of your parenting mistakes as well, I'm sure. So, Candace has already told us. Next question is, what do you think about the textbook? Who, who has this textbook? Let me see that. Okay, a lot of you do. Um, what do you think so far that you've read? It's really good stuff, isn't it? Um, now, Paul David Tripp is not Ted Tripp. I've said, I've heard several times... Oh, yeah, he wrote that book about shepherding. No, no, it's not shepherding your child's heart. Actually, we had one parenting class since I've been here. In the 20 years that I've been here, we've had one other parenting class. Keisha, were you in that class? Although, that, see, it was, it was even pre-Keisha and Scott. So we, we're talking seriously a long time ago. I didn't mean that like it sounds, Keisha. Uh, <laughs> But we used that book, Ted Tripp's book, Shepherding a Child's Heart, and I wasn't crazy about it. I, I, you may have liked it. Some of you may have read it and liked it a lot. Uh, I love what I've read so far in this book. If you've not read the intro and the first two chapters, read them as soon as you can. Uh, it may be a good idea, in fact, to read all of the book, or most of it in the near future, highlight, do some serious marking. I read it after Allison read it. She had already done some great work for me. It really helped me in preparing for tonight. Mark it up and then review it before we get back to it. Uh, don't read this book and think, I am such a failure. But think, thank you, Lord, that you have helped me to see some of these weaknesses and inconsistencies in my parenting and help me to make the adjustments that I need to. You can be a better parent no matter how old you are. I'll finish with that thought a little bit. Essentially, we're going to cover two chapters each time. We have eight sessions. There are 14 chapters. So that means the last session will be just talking about what we've learned overall in May. And in fact, Maybe we'll do a dinner. Maybe we'll actually have the kids in here and ask them how you've done in this class. <laughs> no, that won't be a good idea. Several of you will be walking out here in just a few minutes.
if you think that's a possibility. Um, who was it said, Amber, you said, I want to know what Scripture says about, that was, yes, Crystal, I'm sorry. I want to know what Scripture says about parenting. One day when we were doing a child dedication, we have the children, we have parents come up with children, and typically the, the, uh, the, the, the liturgy for that is that I will read Scripture, we'll pray, I'll read Scripture, talk a little bit about it, and then have a prayer of dedication with parents and grandparents coming up. And I said, look, today I'm going to read everything in the New Testament after the Gospels, everything that the New Testament says about parenting. So settle in for a little bit. And it's essentially two little passages in Ephesians 6 and Colossians 3 and 4. Colossians 4, I believe it is. Um, why do you think the New Testament has so little to say about parenting? Got any ideas? It assumes you know the old. It's already there. It's just one of the reasons that helps us to understand the benefit of knowing the Old Testament as believers. There is a ton said about parenting in the Old Testament. And I thought about this as I was preparing for tonight, too. We tend to think of ourselves as failures with our kids. Um, look, if you're a perfect parent, it's still on your child, right? It's between your child and the Lord, ultimately. In fact, there is a, a whole lot said in the Old Testament about the responsibility of the child. That, in fact, if you don't know it, you should know Ephesians 6.1, children, obey your parents for this is right. You know? And then in Colossians it says, obey your parents in the Lord. Um, that was meant to be funny, but apparently fell flat. Um, so there's quite a bit said about parenting in the Old Testament and indicating the value of the Old Testament in the believer's life. Um, it is indispensable, though, when we start off thinking about parenting, that we recognize that our identity is not in the ability to keep the law, but our identity is in Christ. And the reason we are in Christ is because we were sinners and we needed his sacrifice to die for us. And as we believe him, we are identified with him. By the way, you may or may not have ever thought about this before, but the New Testament used the term, uses the term Christian very sparingly. Two or three times, that's it. And usually it's a term of derision for the people who are followers of Christ. But over and over and over and over and over, the New Testament talks about our identity in Christ. And so this book starts with a reminder that our identity in Christ is going to determine our understanding of our identity in Christ and our willingness to live according to all that that implies, will determine how we parent our children. And even if we mess up badly, the, our kids may turn out okay. And even if we do everything right, they may not. But the best chances of us raising children in the ways that we want them to go uh, would be to just sit and soak in our identity 
with Christ. Uh, this is a good time for us to look at the table of contents. I'll have PowerPoint slides probably uh, in other nights, but tonight I'm going to read this. If you've got this book open to the table of contents, whenever you're reading a nonfiction book, it's a good idea to know where you're going. If it's a fiction book, I don't even like chapter titles. You know, I, I'm reading through, actually listening on Audible, um, Andrew Peterson's Wing Feather saga. And I don't like the fact that they tell you what the chapter is because you know what's coming. I, I, I want to be surprised when I'm reading fiction. But when you're reading nonfiction, your understanding of the whole will be better if you start off knowing where you're going. In fact, uh, while there is a lot of criticism to... Oh, what was the guy's name? Mortimer Adler, How to Read a Book. Uh, there's some just criticism to that. I'm pretty sure he's the one that said, you don't read a book by looking at chapter one. You don't even read a book by going to the introduction or the preface or whatever. Start at the very front. See what the recommendations are. In our case, he wouldn't have had it in those days. But see what else the author has written. Find out who published it. And the more you do that, the more you'll start to understand what publishers are good and what ones you need to be a little careful about. And then especially read through the table of contents. Know where you're going. So let's do that. Let's just think about uh, the big picture and the process in the table of contents. The introduction talks about being ambassadors rather than owners or controllers of our children. What's an ambassador do? Yes, and uh, what happens if, if he thinks, even if he doesn't say, well, that authority says this, but I think I better try to change it up a little bit. You'll lose your job, right, sooner or later if you misrepresent or don't represent exactly what uh, the person who sent you has called you to say. So we're going to talk about that in just a little bit. Um, the first chapter title is, is Calling. The principle is this, nothing is more important in your life than being one of God's tools to form a human soul. Nothing is more important in your life than being one of God's tools to form a human soul. It's one of those that makes you almost go, wait, 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 I thought we were talking about children. What is the purpose of spiritual gifts? To what? To share, right, for the benefit of other people, right? It's one of the things that Paul was saying about Corinthians. These gifts are edifying you. They're not edifying. They're not building up the body. And so you're not here to serve yourself. You're here to serve others. Um, so it's a calling to be a good parent. And again, that ambassador-owner distinction will be important to us when we think about that. Second, grace principle. God never calls you to a task without giving you what you need to do or what you need to do it. He never sends you without going with you. So wherever we go, the Lord is with us. The Lord turned his back 
on the Son. The Father turned his back on the Son so that we might never have to be alone. From that point on, we are always accompanied by the Holy Spirit for those of us who believe. He is always with us, and he gives us grace to, and to allow us or help us to do the things that we need to do. But it's really not so much even, well, God's made me strong so I can do it. It's him working through you. You know, sometimes when you want to respond to somebody with a really sharp tongue and you don't and you realize that's not me <laughs> wonder where that came from or didn't where I didn't say why I did not say what I typically would well the Holy Spirit if, if the Holy Spirit lives in you sometimes he's working even when you don't expect him to or ask him to so grace is a huge principle um, Kevin DeYoung who is, gosh, just one of my favorite thinkers, writers, but he's just, I love the way that he thinks. He said all of the books about gospel-centered this, gospel-centered that. He said, I'm going to write a book about parenting called Gospel-Centered Yelling. I think I told you that a few, <laughs> few weeks ago, but you, you get it. It's, look, this is hard, and we need God's grace, and we all say things, do things that we regret. So another principle or another title for the chapter is law principle your children need God's law but you cannot ask the law to do what only grace can accomplish that's a good word isn't it you lay down the law for your kids and it's right to do so but you can't expect that you will mold them simply by law it's not going to happen it has to be God's grace working in them. Um, number four, inability. That's an interesting chapter title for parents, isn't it? Inability. The principle is recognizing what you are unable to do is essential to good parenting. has some great things to say about that in this chapter. And one of the reasons I want to look at all of them is because they overlap. And it keeps circling back to the same principles, the same truth. But we get to look at each principle or each parenting tool as um, an independent one and then see how it works all together. Number five, identity. The principle, again, we've already talked about this in the, in the introduction. Identity. If you are not resting as a parent in your identity in Christ, you will look for an identity. In your children. But I don't know. I, this one I really don't understand. Why this is in here. Because this is not an issue in our culture today. That parents find their identity. Somehow in their children. Number six. Process. Here's the principle. You must be committed as a parent. To long view parenting. Because change is a process and not an event. No matter how old you are. Lost principle is, as a parent, you're not dealing just with bad behavior. But a condition that causes bad behavior. Just like a medical condition, right? It creates all kinds of 
and you know you need to have surgery, but you want to put it off to the last second, I'm with you. I don't want to think about surgery, but sometimes it has to be done. Allison has this problem with her foot. Every three months, she goes in, and they stick a needle deep into her foot and give her a shot, and she looks forward to that, not to the process or not to the shot, but you'd almost think so because it's so helpful. When we have a condition, the condition must be addressed. It can't just be the surface level issues. That If we can just change this. You know, if you would just change this one thing about you, then you would be a lot better person. What things do we need to change? Authority, number eight. The principle is this. One of the foundational heart issues in the life of every child is authority. Teaching and modeling the protective beauty of authority is one of the foundations of good parenting. This is one chapter I skimmed as much as I could because I wanted to see what he said about this. This is very important in my thinking about children. You need to teach your children to respect adults. Are there some adults that are not worthy of respect? Yes, absolutely there are. But sort it out after you've given the adult the benefit of the doubt. For instance, um, maybe a few of you are old enough to remember coming home from school and you just couldn't wait to get home and say, I got in trouble at school today because you know your parents are going to march down there and fix those. No. <laughs> you come home and say, I got in trouble at school today. It's like, well, bend over. Pow, pow, pow. That's what we got back in my day. Um, so, but now, when your child tells you that some adult did something to you, what is the, what is the impulse? What is the cultural impulse? How dare they do that to my child? How dare you do this? Teach children to respect adults. And one of the ways that we do that, we'll, go, we'll talk about this a lot, obviously, is adults, you don't denigrate the authorities in your life. I can't believe that cop did that. I can't believe this. I can't believe that. If you're constantly blasting those who are in authority over you, then it's going to come back on, on you. Your kids are going to pick that up. They pick everything up. So some of these will be talked about time and again, um, and you'll have opportunity to, to weigh in on the matter as well. Uh, number nine, in fact, you may accuse me of this foolishness. Uh, the foolishness, the principle is this. The foolishness inside your children is more dangerous to them than the temptation outside of them. Only God's grace has the power to rescue fools. Mm, amen. <laughs> That's some serious amening going on in that row back there. It, that's right. It, yeah. Feels like some personal experience. 
Oh, man, this, that's the case for me. Uh, God rescued me from so much. Number 10, character. Here's the principle. Not all of the wrong your children do is a direct rebellion to authority. Much of the wrong is the result of a lack of character. Pretty sharp word, but it's, it's true, isn't it? And you see it in your kids right from the get-go, don't you? You see the ones that are deceitful, the ones that are mean, the ones. And the easiest thing to do as a parent is one of two things. Either one, ignore it, or two, control it. Build characters where he's going. Listen, do not, especially on this introduction, do not think anything that I say. Um, please just wait until we get to, to these different thoughts and, and, and as we go along. Don't take offense at any of them. And some of the things that I think about parenting are probably not some of the things that you think about parenting. And so you might say, I disagree with that. I guarantee you there are a lot of people who would disagree with some of my parenting uh, methods. But let's give it time, talk it all out. So here's another one, false gods. Here's the principle, man. We've been talking about this, haven't we, and, and, and Isaiah? You are parenting a worshiper. So it's important to remember that what rules your child's heart will control his or her behavior. No different from us, is it? They have different idols than we do, but we all make these false gods. Up. Who was it? Spurgeon, who was it said the heart is a idol-making factory? Anybody know who said that? Do you know who said that, Neil? But what may have been Calvin, that's right, I believe it was John Calvin. The heart is an idol-making factory. We do just as fast as we can. We're, we're making these false gods. Number 12, control. Ah, oh, gosh, this one's hard. Principle. The goal of parenting is not control of behavior, but rather heart and life change. The older your kids get, the more you tend to think, I don't have the kind of control that I used to. That is true. But if the goal is control from the earliest days, most likely they're going to rebel against that at some point. As he talks about in the book, look, as long as you have more power than your child does, you can, you can control behavior at some level. But once they get old enough that they're not afraid of you, You've lost it. In fact, I can't tell you how many times I tell parents of especially young adults, those who are just leaving for school, um, maybe even in the latest years of high school, your days of instruction are over. Now it's influence, which is a, one of the reasons we have to get hold of it as quickly as we can. So I'm glad that you're here for this class. Number 13, rest. Have you ever heard of rest associated with parenting? <laughs> in any way, in any form, rest in any form. The principle is this. It is only rest in God's presence and grace that will make you a joyful and patient parent. <sighs> That's hard, isn't it? 
I mean, really, when you think about it, people say, never discipline your child in anger. When are you going to discipline them then? <laughs> you know, because, so, but it's hard to do that, isn't it? It's hard to rest and just, just be patient. Number 14, mercy. The principle is this. No parent gives mercy better than the one who is convinced that he desperately needs it himself. Great, great thoughts about this. this. So, what do you think about the overview? Any comments, anything you're looking forward to discussing in detail? or Anything we don't need in this list? All of the above. That's for sure. Okay, the introduction. Let's talk about what he said in the introduction. Um, he, he says we need a change of worldview. What is, tell me what this term means, helicopter parenting. What does that mean? Hovering over, yes. And what is a primary cause of helicopter parenting? Anxiety is one, fear, yeah. Is that, did you say fear? Did somebody say fear? Okay. Control. What? Yeah, quite, tonight. Okay, great. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Crystal. Uh, you know, they give the amount of words women say, men say. I'm somewhere in the middle. So I talk a lot. Don't. Yes. Yeah, pave the way, make it. Yeah, it's different in a in a classroom. Tiffany, you teach preschool, okay, where children are innocent and they haven't learned to be sinners just yet. Um, it doesn't take long to realize that, does it? Who was it said that sin is the only a doctrine that can be empirically, empirically improved, proven? Gosh. Chesterton, yes, thank you. Um, so, it, and he didn't say it like that either. He said it without the stuttering. If you are parenting your children well, will the culture applaud? Will the church applaud? Maybe, maybe not, right? First of all, how do you define parenting your children well? Proverbs 22, 6. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Even when he is old, he will not depart. What does it mean? What's that mean? What do you think it means? What does it sound like it means? Exactly. Yeah. Here's one of the things, we, we talked about this and <clears throat> have a New Testament epistles class that I'm teaching on Monday nights at South Wake Bible Institute. Neil's in that class. The other night I said, which do you prefer? It's a two-hour class. I said, about midway through, I said, do you want to take a 10-minute break now or do you want to just get out early? 
They said, what do you prefer? I said, no break and go late. That's what I prefer. <laughs> so, and that may be what, we're moving in that direction. Just get up and leave at 8 o'clock if you need to. And pretty soon, then all the kids will be in the, uh, in the lobby. Um, Proverbs 22.6, we talked about the other night, genres of Scripture and how you can't read all Scripture just the same way you read all the other Scripture. I mean, you've got narrative, you've got all these historical narratives, you've got poetry, wisdom literature, um, uh, Gospels, which are proclamations. They're not just narratives, they're proclamations. We're proclaiming Jesus the King and the kingdom of heaven has come to earth. And it will <clears throat> be fully realized one day. And then the epistles, which are really sort of didactic teaching. There were letters written to churches or individuals. But you have to understand how epistles differ from other places in Scripture. Um, and the book of Proverbs is a book of principles. So is that a promise? If you parent your child in exactly the right way, you can, you can guarantee that your child is going to not depart from the Lord. It's not a promise. It's a principle. Um, actually, there are two verses right together. I don't know which one comes first. But answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him. And then the very next verse, answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own conceit. So, you just, it, it's wisdom. You learn sometimes, you you just leave a fool alone. Sometimes you don't suffer fools gladly and you show him the foolishness of his or him or her, his or her foolishness. Uh, so train up a child in the way he should go. The word way comes from a Hebrew word that is also translated bent. Hebrew is a very stingy language. There are a, a, not a large number of words and they can have multiple meanings. But it's interesting to me going through Isaiah when I'm studying how much nuance there is in the Hebrew language. Even though it's a stingy language with few words, God is nuancing the things that he says. A lot of people think there's not a lot of humor in the Bible. There's a whole lot of humor and irony. Again, you just have to know the sense of humor that the Bible uh, presents and also knowing the original language would help also. Um, but that word bent, way, it's also translated bent as in the bow. The bow is bent. And the point is, train up a child according to the bent that God has given him or her. Can you train all of your children in the same way? What happens if you do that? There are certain principles, right? There are certain family rules. There are certain things. We don't do that. We are painters. We don't do that. We are woodalls. We don't do that like those Wallaces do. You know, we do it differently. <laughs> we do it differently. <laughs> and if we did it more like the Wallaces, maybe we'd be in better shape. So... What does it mean to train up a child in the way he should go? Well, it's different for different children, but there are a lot of principles that we're talking about in this class that will be helpful. But I will tell you that probably if you do a really great job parenting your children, um, other people may not like it 
may be defensive. They may be thinking maybe that's what I should do, but it's too late. So I'm just going to criticize what you're doing and you're doing. So it's just the way we, we're wired. As Paul David puts it, I'm going to call him all kinds of things. Paul David puts it in his book, and I would add uh, in this study, the book, he says, is meant to reorient your thinking. So I know you would like to get it all straight immediately and put your parenting stresses and worries in the rearview mirror. But may I say as one who in some 42 to 43 days will be uh, purchasing my insurance at your expense, thank you very much, on Medicare, uh, you will never put the parenting stress completely behind you. Yeah. <clears throat> Class dismissed. <laughs> In fact, there won't be any more class. You're always thinking about it. And you're, and you're thinking about your grandchildren. I was just thinking today. Um, my wife, Linda, was really good with kids when they were small. And I was much better with them when they were teenagers. It's just the way. And it's, that's not uncommon. That the, the wife is good when the, the mother is good when the kids are small. The father is better a little bit later on because mothers are given. And by the way, let's just get this out of the way. It's not fair. It just is not fair. You stay with the kids all day long. Husband comes in. You've been trying to instill this behavior or this, this attitude in the kids and, and the husband comes in, let's just play. Let's have fun, you know. Oh, yeah, daddy's home. It's not fair. It's just not fair. But it is the way God has designed it. And when they get older, it's tougher for mothers to let go. But you've got to start letting go along the way and start letting your kids make decisions for themselves. And it's, many times it's easier for a father to say, okay, so they'll They'll fall on their face. It's okay. They'll get up. They'll be better for it, you know, if they do it. So work together. And we'll talk all about that, different age levels and, 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 and ways that you should um, help one another. I'll say this, hopefully say this every time. I don't have it in my notes, but I want to say it every time. If that's the way it is, if the husband comes home or the father comes home and has a good time with the kids, dads, when you are in the house, take the, take the responsibility of discipline off your wife. Um, husbands, wives, don't put one another down in public. Just don't do it. Don't ever question your husband or your wife's parenting motives uh, in public. Joking around is one thing. Digging is a whole different level. And we all can tend to cross that line. We'll talk a little bit later about being careful what you say in front of your kids. Um, but let's just start with that one. Build one another up, especially to your children. And if one parent has made a decision, don't overrule it. Don't ever be that parent that kids can come to to him or to her and get, get, get their way. You make sure that you get in agreement with it. And that's hard to do sometimes, isn't it? I mean, 
it is. So, by the way, these, uh, the recording for this will be available for those of you whose spouses are not here. You can, you, you can say, all right, you better listen to this. No, don't say it that way. Or they better won't, you know, probably. First things first. God did not give you children to make you look good. God did not give you children to give you purpose or fill the God-shaped vacuum in your heart. Now, this is not to belittle a God-given desire that he's put in most of us to have children. We want to have children, but your children will never fulfill you. They'll never be the complete purpose that God has for you in this life. And if you put your hopes in your children... You're going to be uh, disappointed. Uh, as Paul David Tripp puts it, we are ambassadors, not owners. So ownership, I, I love his very succinct um, definition of that. If I'm an owner, it's what I want for or from my children. Bert said something a while ago that made me think about or just responded to one of the things that made me think about. Do you know parents who said, I went through such difficulties when I was a child, I don't ever want my children to go through that. And you think, you're a great individual. And you want to deny your kids. And of course, we all want our kids to have it better than we had it, right? But what do we think about with that? What do we want for them to have better than we have most of the time? We're talking about money, material, possessions, what have you. But some of the things that are difficult for us in childhood are the things that develop character in us. And character is more important than behavior. Wouldn't we all agree? So what do you want for your children? A lot of our Desires are noble, right? I want them to have a passion to learn. I want them to be curious. I, I want them to have the most opportunity to live a godly life as far as coming in this home. But sometimes I want it for them so it'll make me look good. What do I want from my children? What, do I, what is the motivation in that? Ambassadorship is this. What is the plan and will of the one who sent me? I am an ambassador of Jesus Christ. And I don't think about this with my kids as much as I do with everybody else. I tend to think, okay, I'm here to serve the Williams. But my kids? Wait a minute. That's, they're my kids, right? Family's different. Um. Talk about this a little bit. I know this was really big for Allison as she read the difference between ownership and ambassadorship. That just struck her. What? Talk about it, you guys. Yeah, I appreciate how he says right at the very beginning of this book, I didn't do a great job with a lot of this. Um, and it is day in and day out, it's tough to... It truly is. And day in and day out makes you feel like an owner rather than a steward. Um, thanks. That's, 
That's really, when, are you talking about just now reading it, or did you read this no. a while back? <clears throat> Good. Good. So, especially in small groups, then, you'll be able to talk about, so here are some of the specific changes that I made. Here's the way that it, it changed my thinking. Just one thing. Just to, what, what's one thing that you've changed as a result of that thinking after this? Yes, and I think it's interesting that he puts grace in front of law because we think about law and gospel, but he starts the other way. He starts with gospel and then reads grace. And when I'm in Isaiah, as I'm going through Isaiah, <clears throat> I keep thinking, oh, man, this is so tough. But there's always this grace in this gospel presentation right there in it. Um, but so in some ways... It's good to know the gospel before you go to the law. But kids have to know the law. It's important. We'll talk about that. Uh, but if it's not tempered with grace, nothing is going to turn out the way you want it to. If truly you're a believer and follower of Christ and you want your children to be. What else? Anybody else want to? Yeah, and, and uh, it's been a long time for me. Three-year-olds don't ask why, do they? <laughs> why, why, why? Yes, but, um, and obviously at a certain point, that why is not about knowledge. It's about uh, their control. And we do have to, the parent has to be the authority, has to be. It's tricky. All of this is tricky. And it is in the small moments. The small moments, it, it, it might not sound like because I said so. It might sound like I don't have time for this. You know, it's just there are lots of different ways we communicate. Shut up, get on with the program. Sometimes that needs to be said, not maybe quite like that. Um, but sometimes it does. Yes. Yeah. And I love what Charlie's saying about as much as possible lay the groundwork, but the teenage years, the discussions are a lot more serious. I, just to tell you, my kids, I have two daughters, and my second daughter uh, was taller than my first, and she had long legs, and Allison, I mean, Linda would say, you're not, you're not going in that. You know, that dress is too short. And man, the arguments. And ask my daughter next time you see her, are you glad your mom, oh, I'm so glad my mom held the line on that. A lot of the stuff that feels like it's a completely a losing argument, it's not going to be. You do have to have the standards. Allison, you were going to say? That's right. Right. There is. And, a, and an ambassador, while he communicates the message, he's also given some leeway to size up the situation. And you give some, you've given some leeway, and okay, we can compromise on that. You know, we can do that. 
Um, I'm going to probably just blow through it now because uh, even going late, we're going to be hard-pressed to finish. I'm kidding. We won't go late. It's easier, he says this, it's easier to be driven by fear than to lead by faith. Now, look, I, I picked out from here out especially, I picked out some of the things that I thought were really good. And we could, we could spend all night if we, each person said, I like this. But what I want to do, make sure I've uh, noted every place where I'm quoting directly from the book. And then I want to make these notes available to the whole church. And I'm hoping a lot more people will want to do this because it's important. And again, you could see if we have more people, it would be difficult for us to have this large group discussion, but we'll try to make it where we have small groups. And you don't have to. If you're really shy, you don't have to. Just say, I'm one of those. Don't talk to me. Don't even look at me, please. Um, and then we'll, it'll be like we've got kids right here. you know. So um, for on both sides of the equation, it's easier to be driven by fear than to lead by faith. To seek short-term gain versus long-term transformation. How can we tell the difference in what we're doing and any suggestions? But let's hold off on it and we may come back to it. Here is a suggestion. Social media fast, maybe. Quit talking about your kids on social media. Um. This is something I will say over and over. Be careful how you talk about your children. And by the way, if you've done some of these things in front of me, don't think, oh, no, Pastor Brett, please, come on. This is stuff I had to learn, too. We all have to learn this kind of stuff, and you may disagree with me. But be careful how you talk about your children in public, and especially in their hearing, no matter how old they are. Because I hear it all the time. Parents criticize their kids in front of other people. You know what you're doing? You're, you're, you're painting, you're, you're writing a script for their lives, and they're going to follow that script all their lives. Do not put your kids down in front of other people. And we are all tempted to do that. One of the reasons we do it is because we're justifying ourselves. I tried to teach that boy better, you know. Well, that girl won't listen. We're trying to justify ourselves. Don't put your kids down. Nobody leaving? Okay, good. Um, look, my, my, my dad, my parents did the best they could in those days. It was Parenting was a whole lot different when, when I was a kid than it is now. A whole lot different. Uh, men especially never hugged and said, I love you and stuff like that. I grew up in that family. My, my parents, I saw them, I, I, I only saw them kiss maybe, I don't know, certainly less than 10 times. And it would be when he would walk in, having been on the tobacco market for three or four weeks, and come in, my mom would be sitting at the kitchen table, and he would walk over and give her a quick peck, and that was it. We never said, I love you. We didn't touch much. I'm married into a family where if somebody's going, you know, up the street for bread and milk, they're like, oh, come on, let's pray, let's pray. Oh, dear Lord, please be with me on these dangerous highways and, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So it was the hugging and hugging and muggingest bunch I've ever seen in my life. So, and, and that is one of the big problems for marriage, isn't it? And parenting. We come from two different kind of 
worlds a lot of times. And uh, it's probably worse, Jason, you said, it's a good thing the Lord put us together the way he did. It's worse if we come from the same kind of family. You know, so um, it, you work it out. You, you, you get to be hopefully better parents if you're, if you're caring about it. Our parents didn't. They didn't care about any of they, they just didn't think about this kind of stuff. They, so we've got opportunities. Um, but one of the things my dad told me one time, I think about it all the time, you never finish anything you start. You started guitar lessons, you started this, you started that. I think about it all the time. I don't mean to be busted on my dad. He was a great dad. You, you think I'm funny and you may not think I'm funny. He was really funny. Uh, he... he my dad would just sort of comment on life as it happened, and he didn't care if anybody heard him or not. He just like, well, I don't know, and make some little comment, you know. Maybe he did, and if he did, I'm even more impressed. You know, he just knew that people were buying close by. But so he was a great guy. But he said that one thing has been so. Now I spent 20 years at camp. I've been 20 years here. Those are only two places I've been. But I am a way better starter than finisher. He was right in his assessment. But what we say about our kids can become self-fulfilling prophecies. They will take this. This becomes their identity. Negative talk will direct them to negative behavior. And too much positive, especially embellished words, will tempt them toward pride and unrealistic assessments of their ability. No, wait a minute. Everybody gets a trophy, so let's move on. It, it, it's tricky, isn't it? You want to encourage. You want to build up. I promise you, if you do it at the level the culture does it, you're doing it wrong. You can't let your kids think they are the greatest this, that, and everything when they're not. Direct them. Be excited about what they're good at. You know, and, and, and build them up in that way. And if that means you have to learn about things to help them, then learn about those things or be excited about those, those things. These are not the last words on this subject. I'm going to remind us of this often, and then you'll get a chance to weigh into Calling. Um, when... Paul David Tripp talks about calling. That's the first chapter. He says, we are value-motivated human beings. Your words, your time commitments, your finances, your emotional highs and lows, your relationships and your spiritual habits together form a portrait of what is really valuable to you. Can you think of scripture to back that up? He gives some, but can you think of any others? Or what does he say? Yeah, Matthew 6, 20, 6 21. Uh, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You, really, it's pretty easy to tell, right, what's important to a person. Just follow them around for three or four days. You'll, you'll know what's important. That's where our hearts are. Out of the abundance of the heart, Matthew 12, 34 says, the mouth speaks and we reveal our insecurities, we reveal our frustrations, we reveal all kinds of things about ourselves. 
you just thought getting married was going to help you in your sanctification. Then you had kids, you know. And now both of you are struggling together on this. And it's, it's a challenge sometimes. 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. You know what's really interesting about that verse? And again, I'd have to be really careful how I would say it on a Sunday morning. And you can ask me about it later if you want to. You know where Paul got that from? Not from the Old Testament. He got it from a pagan playwright. Someone who lived about 500 B.C. in Greece. Bad company corrupts good morals. But we all know that's true, don't we? All truth is God's truth. That doesn't mean that anything else outside of Scripture is equal. And it's not, it's not as valid as what you see in Scripture. But Paul took that truth that was stated and said, this is what you need to know. And it's scripture. Bad company corrupts good morals. That's why it's so important to us, isn't it? With our kids' company, it's important to you too. Don't go with an angry man, lest what? You be like him. You're around angry people all the time. They'll be angry. Don't be around me when I'm watching the Panthers. And they're, and they're playing like they played on Sunday. Um, here's another thing Paul David Tripp says. Now, this is hard to accept, but it needs to be said. Parenting is either a thing of the highest treasure to you, and that is demonstrated in your choices, actions, and words every day, or it is not. Parenting, man, we all know it, right? You've got the energy when you're young, or at least you, you have more energy now than you will later, I can tell you that. But you don't have the wisdom that you have when you're older. It just seems, it just seems unfair. It's one of the reasons, if you'll just stay together, husband and wife, it'll be better later on. You have to be committed to the marriage sometimes before you're committed to the person. That level of commitment, you must never think. I don't know how much more of this I can take. I'm walking away. Same thing about your kids, although you use different words. Like Sarah might have said, I could be doing something else. We all feel like that. And especially if you, what's that? <laughs> Hypothetically. She might have said, yes, especially if you homeschool, and especially if you have 23 children like the Lees do back here. But, um, so the Lees and the painters, I think, have 23 apiece. But it's either important to you or it's not. And, and I, I think maybe, look, we all realize they're going to be here until they leave, right? But, but a lot of people just give up. Give up trying to do it right. It's just go on. I can't do it. Any, I can't have this argument anymore. Um, Deuteronomy 6 verses 4 to 9 and then verses 20 to 23. It's law and gospel. The law is, is hear O Israel the Lord our God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul and mind. And interesting it's not one of the Ten Commandments and yet when they ask Jesus, which is the most important commandment? He said, this is it. And then 
the New Testament also says the end of the law is love. See, if we loved perfectly, we would be keeping the law. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, mixed numbers of faith. In the King James, I don't know what it is in, in the one that I use now, but that's what I remember it in. And a lot of people say the fruit of the Spirit is love, and out of love flow all of these others. That's the way some scholars look at that verse. The end of the law is love. And then in Galatians 5, and 23, where he's talking about the fruit of the Spirit, he says it's all these things, love, joy, peace. And then he says against such there is no law. Because see, the Galatians' problem was they said, Neil and Jason have heard this already the other night, Monday night we talked about it. They said, um, well, Jesus is okay. They were persuaded to think this way. Jesus is okay, but you better keep the law too. <clears throat> it's the law plus Jesus. They thought that Jesus made the down payment, you keep up the monthly installments, and then everything will be okay. I better keep the law just in case. And Paul said to the Galatians, law plus Jesus plus anything equals eternal damnation. It's Jesus or nothing. Jesus paid it all. But, he's, but he comes to the fruit of the Spirit, and it's probably... a. <laughs> Almost sarcastic when he says, look, you be filled with the Spirit, love, joy, peace, all these things. There's no law against any of that. Quit worrying about trying to keep the law. The Spirit is what is going to. Now, is the law important to us? Yes. Maybe we'll get to talk about that some in this class. But he's saying in Deuteronomy, love the Lord with all your heart, soul, and mind. And then he says, these commands that I tell you, you've got to think about them all. Teach them to your children when you're, they're lying down, waking up, you know, you, all, all sitting, talking, walking, whatever you do, talk about it. I love what he says in the book. It's not weird to talk about God all the time. Unless it's forced. What my dad said about me is true. I'm a good starter, but not a good finisher. Uh, ask my kids about family devotions. Oh, again, we're starting again. Okay, let's see how far we get this time. <laughs> ask my lovely wife about that. I think we've probably got about 10 or 12 things going right now. Let's start in the book of Matthew. Let's start in the book of Romans. Let's read this, you know. So, it, but you, you know what we did, though? We talked about God all the time. And look, I'll talk about this later. The best moment of my parenting life, it's, it was the absolute best. We, as teenagers, we let the kids go to PG-13 movies. We didn't let them go to R. Look, PG-13 are worse than they were back in, back in that day. But Austin Powers was around, and so it was bad. And my kids... My kids... Um, we're going off with the staff one weekend from Team Valley, and uh, and they knew the rule: no R-rated movies unless you know it's what was that? Last of the Mohicans. It was filmed right there at 13 miles from us at Lumble Falls, and we could see it together. You know, we, that was a rule. So I said, "What are you going to see?" They said, "Oh, we're going to see Austin Powers." And man, what do you think? Everything in me wanted to say. <laughs> no, you're not. 
But they were old enough that I knew they might see it anyway, and I didn't want them seeing it and lying to me. So they, I said, I think you're, I think you're going to regret that decision. So they came back, and I said, what would you see? They said, Austin Powers. I said, and? We were in there 15 minutes and walked out. That's as good as you can possibly want. That's my one golden moment in parenting. <laughs> but the fact, but what your, do, your goal is to train them to make good decisions for themselves. Now, they would probably watch that and, 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 and worse now. And so would I at times. The different things that I've watched, I have a different standard than I did back in the day. And that's problematic. I know it is. It's, it's again, let's be honest about who we are. But you want to train your kids to make good decisions. Um, grace. Gosh, I would love to talk about Deuteronomy 6 more, but the point is, then he said, also teach them to remember what God did bringing us out of Egypt. What did he do? <laughs> he saved them. <laughs> Took them through the water, the blood on the, on, the, on, on the doorpost, and they had a meal, and he took them through the water. Does that remind you anything in, in these New Testament days? I felt guilty about putting that on that table there. Not that there's anything special about the table, but there is special when we come to it. It's really special when we come to it. Way more than we Protestants have been led to believe. It's way more. It's way more Sunday morning when kids go under the baptismal water and adults. I think it's mostly kids this, this time. But it's a big deal when we're baptized. And one of the things I've just started thinking about, we accept infant baptism you know that if you are part of our church that's difficult for people who think it's immersion I do too it seems clear to me that in the New Testament it's immersion it's after salvation but Presbyterians are the one who say ones who say I went to church I communed with the saints I, I fellowship with the Lord at his table and I remembered my baptism and you're like what do you, what do you mean you remembered your baptism they recognize the significance of baptism. And when people say to me now, I think I want to be baptized again, I say, okay, we'll talk about that, and that's fine. It may not have been important to you, but it was important to God when you were baptized. Did that baptism save a person? No way. Apart from faith, it's not. But baptism is not something to take lightly. How in the world did I get off on this when we're talking about <laughs> children? Grace. God's grace is better demonstrated to children than explained, although explanation is necessary. God's grace is better demonstrated than explained, although explanation is necessary. And here are a couple things that he says. There is nothing more important to consistent, faithful, patient, loving, and effective parenting than to understand what God has given you in the grace of his Son the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh my goodness. Isn't that the truth? How do we pass that grace on to our children? God will receive glory as you, as parents, rely on His grace. Your inability as a parent is part of His plan. You ever get those circumstances, those days where not only does everything go wrong, there is absolutely nothing you can do about everything that's going wrong. 
those actually can turn out to be great days because when you come to the end of yourself, that's when God says, okay, I'll take over now. You were not ready for me to take over. You didn't want me to take over. So I've sat on the sideline. He doesn't say it exactly like that. It's not in the word, but that's the point. You know the point. I love this too, and you know where he's coming from here. If you walk down the hallway mad, don't make me come back there. Because your children need correction again, you're mad because at that moment, they need what every human being constantly needs, a parent's care. Because I got so far to go. Babylon B, if you haven't seen it, you ought to see it. It's Christian satire at its finest. It really is great. It shows this guy in, in, in the bedroom, and he's got this laundry basket, and he's got this big smile on his face. Husband sacrificially loves wife by throwing laundry in the general direction of laundry <laughs> basket, you know. And... and so, and he's real proud of himself, you know, but isn't that the truth? Now, look, don't you know that one day you're going to regret having cared so much about little things? It's probably not any worse and maybe a lot better than not caring about things. You should care deeply, but... One of the things this book will remind us to do, and we're going to have nine months of this together. Nine months. I wonder if there's any significance to that. Um, but it, it just reminds us of the things that we need to just not, don't take yourself so seriously. One of the things I tell people about Grace Community Church is that we take God's word very seriously, but we try not to take ourselves too seriously. And of course, you can get in big trouble not taking things seriously or yourself seriously. You can do that in a heartbeat. But you get in just as much or more trouble taking yourself too seriously. It's really not that big a deal a lot of times. This is a great combination. Establish the authority. Cut it short. Be strict. Don't let your kids just feel like Every decision is a, is, a, is a family decision. It's not. We've already talked about that. How we do it, we'll, we'll talk about as we go. But, but have fun. Just have fun. Moms, I know that's difficult for you. Again, when you do it all day, and it's just infuriating when your husband comes in and has all the fun. <clears throat> but husbands, what, fathers, mothers... Have fun with your kids. Do it as much as you can. And by the way, maybe we'll do this should be yes. Don't say even maybe we'll do that if you think you're going to pull back on it because what are you teaching your kids? Well, don't, I can never expect it. Or especially don't ever break promises. But don't, even more than that, just don't say maybe if no is what's more likely to be the case. Um, if you deny your spiritual and character weaknesses, it will embitter your children. That's pretty strong and very accurate, right? If you deny your spiritual and character weaknesses, Allison was talking about this a while ago, it will embitter your children. I do not need rescue from my child. I need rescue from me. And then this. Do not live in regret because regret forgets the cross of Christ. And 
probably one of your big temptations reading this book and coming to this class is you're going to feel guilty. Don't. Please don't. Please don't feel guilty. We're doing the best that we can. And this is going to help us do a lot better. And it helps us transfer the ownership of our kids to the Lord who made them. You're bought with a price. You don't belong to yourself, he says. But somehow we think they belong to us. They don't. They belong to the Lord. And remember this, your children will always need you no matter how old they are. And a lot of children, of course, just can't, adult children can't get over the, the things that their parents, and I, I, I counsel people all the time, forgive your parents. You've got to forgive your parents because it'll, it'll affect you the rest of your life, life, life if you don't. But your children will always need you. So if you feel like, I just made a mess of this. Hey, start showing grace right now. It's okay. And especially with grandchildren. Um, and don't think, okay, well, I'm not telling my child what he or she's supposed to do. I'm just trying to help him or her raise his or her. Their children. I'm trying to help them raise their children. Be gracious. Be graceful. And wherever you are in life, your kids will appreciate it. Any last word? Anybody here would like to keep us longer than we're already over? His devotional for Advent. And then we saw God's mercies new every morning. We got that. I think we got into March on that, didn't we, Allison? Yeah, I think. <laughs> Which was better, uh, the Keller Psalm book, we I did think we finished out January in that, in December of that year. But the grace, the only reason we put that one aside, it was so good, but it felt a little bit repetitive, and it's good to just put it down, bring, pick it back up, because we constantly need to hear it. But um, Well, thank you so much for being here. Let's please spread the word because we just we learn from each other and we'll take the time to break up into groups and that's where really good stuff will happen but we'll have about we'll have these tables seven or eight at a table and that way you don't have to talk if you don't want to father thank you for this time together tonight uh thank you for the law that shows us our desperate need for you and thank you for the grace of God that is ours in our Lord Jesus Christ. May he be formed in us. And may that grace flow through us to our children. And may every child represented in this room tonight be great in the kingdom of God. Lord, we know how Paul felt when he said, I would do anything if my brothers and Jewish brothers and sisters would be saved. I would spend eternity in hell. And it's truly our desire. We would do anything for our children if you would allow it. But Lord, they are accountable to you, each and every one, just as we are. And so may we walk in the power of the Spirit as much as possible 
And as that comes out of us, oozing out of us, and as everything in life is to be measured against Scripture, not in a harsh way, but in an interesting, curious way, thinking about Christian worldview versus uh, a naturalist or um, oh, 21st century uh, craziness worldview that we see all around us. And we're just not that far from crazy ourselves. So we need your guidance. May we be found in your word and the power of your spirit as Jesus is exalted. Thank you for this amazing, incredible plan, Father. It doesn't always seem that way, but it is. And may we be encouraged as we leave here tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Grace Community Church, located in North Carolina. Feel free to make copies of this audio content to share with others. But please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Grace Community Church, go to graceccnc.org.